Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you into our show. We talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way, but we do it without a lot of geek speak or a bunch of acronyms. We just want to talk about tech that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your bank. Even if you do, though, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you are in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business so they can present your needs to the lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important to banks, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they'll help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net, call 225-308-3700, or email them info at cardinalcap.net. And speaking of the guys at Cardinal Capital, I was over there at their office today. They each had their tech gumbo mug that I brought them. They were all so very proud of those mugs and they all wanted to show me hey we love our tech gumbo mugs if you would like a tech gumbo mug listen up later in the show and we'll tell you how to get one love the cardinal capital guys and love our tech gumbo mugs so let's get started today there's a new exploit going around it's called log4j vulnerability it affects everybody <laughs> yeah this is pretty crazy honestly what it's capable of doing and it was found in the most harmless seeming of places. It was first discovered inside Minecraft. People looked at all the pieces and realized that you can basically very simply tell any computer running this Log4j software to go look at any other computer and start running code automatically with no sort of filters, no sort of safeguards. This is really, really terrifying because most computers have safety around them. They have protection. They have cybersecurity. You don't want a computer to be told, hey, go look at this other place and do whatever it tells you to do. You only want it to do what you tell it to do. So this is a very, very big deal. So the Log4j is an open source Java library that is maintained by the Apache Software Group. And Apache is a, the operating system that a lot of web-based servers run. Most of the websites that are hosted on, on servers are run on Apache software. And they use the Java programming language. So it's log4j or log4java. And what a logger is, is that whenever you're running some code, it's there in the background saying, okay, you know, now I'm over here, now I'm doing this, this was the output, I'm handing it off there. It's just useful for the programmer whenever they need to go back through and look to see what's happening, if they need to fix anything or debug anything, it's just throwing out some checkpoints in the middle. That's what a logger is in general. It's a little bit fancier in that you can put variables into what the output is. This is still normal, but where the problem comes in 
is that it doesn't do what's called sanitizing the variables. Normally, you apply a series of checks to make sure that what you're putting in as a variable falls within a certain set of boundaries so that you don't get bad things happening. Well, they just didn't put in those series of checks or they intentionally had it set up in this way. It's not known exactly what the choice was. It was made a long time ago, but you can put your own variables into the this logger. And so at some point in time, it'll spit out, go to any computer on the internet. And when you get to that computer on the internet, run whatever code is there. This is where you get this remote code execution is what it's called. This code could be whenever you get to that computer, that computer on the other end could say, hey, now give me full control of whatever whatever server was running now just ends up in the hands of somebody else. And this is very, very bad. So the log4j is used very heavily in the external internet facing and internal applications management and control so that when you're going back and forth using web-based applications, especially now that everything has moved to the cloud, we need interpretations. And so when the log4j is, when it finds error codes and things like that, because that's a lot of places, the log4j will grab error codes. Well, these codes, as you, as you were talking about, when it says, well, if you find this, then go do that. When you tell it to go and well, then go do that, go take over the control of Haggai's computer is one of the things that you can stick in there. Yeah, and it, it's also, you know, you mentioned utility companies. It's also used in just other standard uh, standard places. Uh, you see it in Spotify. You see it in the Minecraft is where it was first discovered. You see it in iCloud. It, it really is an incredibly common library. And what happens is that you have your code that you, you write at the end, but you reference some libraries in the middle and you say, okay, well, if I want to build something more complicated, I'm not going to build it from scratch. It's like building a house. You're not going to start with the the very splinters. You're going to have people send you whole pieces of lumber. And that original piece of lumber was cut from a tree and then it was smooth and it was turned into the shape that it is now. This is the same idea that you're going to bring in this pre-shaped lumber and that's what this library is. And so you have your library depends upon somebody else's library, depends on somebody else's library. So that piece of lumber at the lumber mill, that lumber mill also relied on other services and those services relied on other services. And so this log4j can be buried many layers deep in programs. And that's why it's especially hard to find all the places where it is because you know what your code needs, but you don't know what the code that your code needs needs. And so when you start getting these layers, it gets really complicated and really scary. So Apache has released a patch for this log4j, and the, the, the patch does fix the problems of removing support by disabling some of the functionality that, that, that comes with it by default. The problem is everyone's going to have to go out and download this patch, and then they're going to have to run it on all of the servers around the world that use a, Apache to run their web-based servers. And that's going to take a long time because not everyone automatically goes, oh, yeah, let me go out and run that that latest patch from, from Apache. Not everyone 
automatically does that. And so if it takes a, it might take a year or more for everybody to go run these updates. Because part of the reason why everyone just doesn't have their auto update turned on is that if you have, uh, you know, a bunch of different things that are uh, handing you pieces of code and all of a sudden one of them changes what it hands you or changes what it needs from you, then that's going to throw up an error and you have to spend your time going through and figuring out where did that error come from? It was working yesterday. Why is it not working today? And so a lot of times people will say, okay, we know all these versions work. Let's fine. Let's keep them frozen. But now whenever you have this gigantic error, that's whenever you have to go through and manually update. And again, maybe your libraries that you directly depend upon are fine. But if the libraries those libraries depend upon reference log4j, you have to scan through all of those as well. And you start to get this branching outwards and it gets very numerous very quickly. So needless to say, this is a big problem. If you're you individual user at home, there's really not much you can do but you're just at the mercy of hoping that everybody who has a website that you go to that uses Apache is running these updates. The best comparison that I saw was a similar exploit was the one which Experian was hacked with, that it was that type of exploit. And then ultimately the way that the end user was affected wasn't that someone used that exploit on my personal computer, but Experian was vulnerable and so they released everybody's credit information. And that's the, the scale of problem that we're looking at here is that these large mega services, which are targets, they need to be the ones to really update and to patch all of their internal workings. Otherwise, they're gonna have giant holes right through the middle of their security and very expensive, very important pieces of data will just march right out the other side. So there is, something you can do on another type of hack. If you use Google Chrome, you need to make sure you go out and you get the latest version of Chrome. Yeah, Chrome had what's called a zero day vulnerability, which means you have zero days to fix it because it is that important. And so the good news is that for you, the end user, all you have to do is just, if you see the button in the upper right that says update, click that. You know, maybe you just close Chrome and reopen it. It's supposed to refresh itself every time. Maybe you have to go all the way in to the settings and look at the about to see if it's up to date, but it's important that you do that. Yes, you wanna be on version 96.0.4664.110. As long as you're on version 96.0, you're probably gonna be in good shape. You wanna make sure you're there. If you gotta click on the three dots and go down, if you have Google Chrome, make sure you're up to date because this this exploit can take over your memory and really make things slow on your computer and then they can get into your computer and, and do malicious things sometimes though when you wanted to get into a computer you want to do good things and microsoft is making it easier now to get into the surface and repair it i fix it is talking about how microsoft is now making it easier to repair the glue that holds the surface together so we've talked about right to repair on numerous occasions with the iPhones and Apple and everything. Nobody's really brought up the whole Microsoft Surface because having had a Microsoft Surface now for six or seven years, 
Anytime there's any kind of a problem, you got to ship it off to Microsoft and they send you one back. Having someone local now, I can run to the iFixit store or any one of the approved Microsoft repair locations that they will be trained because there's a very, very, very specific way of, of getting the frame off of the computer because it's a very specific type of adhesive that you have to remove that. There's no screws that you can undo. So good on Microsoft for getting ahead of the, the right to repair before it rolls over them. Right, because they haven't taken the stance of Apple that no, you cannot repair. They've just said, we're not going to do anything to make it easy for you. If it's virtually impossible to repair because that would start to break things, Microsoft says, oh, well, that's that's not our fault. We're not stopping you. We're not telling you that you can't. It's very, very difficult. And so they're now lowering the difficulty for maybe not the user at home, but independent repair shops would now have the tools as opposed to only being able to go through official Microsoft channels. This is definitely not a, a do-it-yourself kind of thing. This is definitely something that you, if you have a Microsoft Surface, you want to take into a professional and have them fix your device for you because it's real, real easy to destroy one of these. And they're way too expensive to just kind of tinker around with. The good news is it's getting easier for independence. So that is that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I like that. We found another couple of stories on the weird side, frightening side, if you will. This one came out of China. A man lifted his girlfriend's eyelids while she was sleeping to unlock her phone. And then he stole $24,000 from her. Yep. She, she, was, she was sick. So he brought her over some cold medicine and some food. The cold medicine knocked her out real good. And then he put her finger on the, the reader and he opened up the eyelid to, to show off the eyelid scanner. And all of a sudden he was into her phone and he was into her bank account and then wrote that $24,000 check to himself from her. Turns out the Chinese government was not really happy with him for doing this. And now he gets three hots in a cot every day. If he's lucky. Yeah, but if he's lucky. <laughs> he fled to another city, but he didn't last very long. It was, the money was reportedly being used to pay off gambling debts. Yeah, this is just not a good thing. And, the, you know, he got busted. He's on his way to, to jail, if not worse. But just the the brazen creativity to, to think you're not going to get caught, number one. But, oh, here, let me use her fingerprint and her eyeballs to, to hack into her phone. It, it seems like something that would have made more sense in the 80s. But whenever you create the direct transaction record from her phone to your phone, and then, then you have to go spend that money somewhere, those all throw up logs. And so we're going to talk in a second about police getting your data. If you're going to just make it this easy to track you, I, I really don't have a whole lot of sympathy here. It's, you're just serving on a silver platter, you know, all these next steps. I mean, even if you, okay, you transfer the money to your account and you just pull it out all in cash. Okay, if you're, you're that stupid, you just, you still had to go to your bank to pull all the money out. There's still a transaction that, and there's cameras at your bank where you pulled all the money out. <laughs> just 
stupid in every kind of way. Yeah, he made it exactly as far as you'd expect here and is not going any farther. But this next story is going to have a whole lot of defense attorneys very, very nervous. A study by a Washington think tank notes that the government agencies can work around legal limits and they can buy all kind of data from third party apps on your phone and not have to get a search warrant. Yes, this is very scary. The 51 page report noted there's no clear limit on the potential availability of commercially acquired data that would typically require legal processes to obtain. This goes back to a Supreme Court ruling from 2018, Carpenter v. United States, that law enforcement agencies must get a court warrant for a suspect's historical cell site location information from wireless carriers, if they need to get that information from wireless carriers. So what they're doing is between the vague app uh, privacy policies and the even fuzzier data brokers, these government agencies are being very deliberately opaque about how they're obtaining this data. And if you go to this third-party data vendor warehouse and you go buy it from them, now all of a sudden this is a whole lot harder to prove that it happened from the defense attorney side. It's a whole lot easier. You know, you're, there's really not a whole lot of laws to govern this. It exists in that kind of technological gray area that we don't have great regulations around yet. And so the FBI is just saying, hey, all of your location data already exists for anybody to go by. We don't need a warrant. We don't need a subpoena. We don't need to compel you to do anything. There it is. It's out there and it's disturbingly cheap. Yeah, so... Let's go, we go to third party aggregator and say, hey, look, do you have any information on phone number 555-123-4567? Oh, matter of fact, here it is, it's in our database. Okay, we'll take all of that. And then, then you can sit there and run the reports and you, you don't even have to ask this third party aggregator, was this phone number ever in the location between, at this date between these hours? You can run the reports yourself and see exactly where that phone has been. You can see exactly the phone numbers that, that they've called, who their contacts are, who their, their social media engagements are with. Whatever you need to know, it's all right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you're looking at this one murder, but oh, what's this? We noticed they were near this other murder as well. Huh, let's start looking into that one, too. And you just go on the fishing expedition and you cast your net wide and you cast it deep and you see what comes back. This is not how this is supposed to go. The, the law enforcement agencies are supposed to be very targeted, very precise, have specific goals with what they're trying to collect. But because of the lax data privacy laws and lax data guarantees that we have in this country, we don't have that uh, protection right now. It's to the point where the FBI or whatever police agency can say, we're looking for any phone that was in this exact location during this exact time and date. Oh, those phone numbers? Oh, yeah, we'll take all that data, please. Thank you. And now you're, you're, oh, that, that, what a can of worms. Yeah, it's not great. And we're not lawyers and we don't play lawyers on, on radio here. 
we're just podcasters and radio guys talking about IT, and so we'll ha- we'll have some lawyers on maybe in the future to get more details about this. But this is definitely one of those stories. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With 20 years plus of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. The true testament to GI's success, however, has been the strategic support to our clients' growth. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show will rerun Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear previous episodes, check us out as a podcast available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, if you have a question as well, let us know via text 225-255-0431. If we use your question, you will get a nice, beautiful Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.